Hey everybody and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. Gunstock Mountain Resort is now open for the winter season. Enjoy top to bottom skiing and riding and remember to take a moment to stop and take in that iconic view from the summit. One of, one of our 10 best we chose last month in New England Ski Magazine. Check out our tubing hill for thrills and laughs and night sessions with the most lit terrain in New England for all you night owls. Book your lift tickets, rentals, and tubing online in advance. Check out our upcoming events at gunstock.com. Embrace the chill this winter at Gunstock. And discover what you've been missing when you visit Burke Mountain, the last little corner of Vermont. Located only seven miles off Interstate 91, the slopes are closer than you think. Take advantage of their incredible midweek deals like $45 Monday through Friday lift tickets or Wicked Wednesdays where three people can ski or ride for the price of one. That's right. You and two of your friends can ski and ride for just 15 bucks a piece every Wednesday, non-holiday. Incredible. To learn more, book your overnight stay at the Ski In, Ski Out Burke Mountain Hotel or purchase lift tickets, visit SkiBurke.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Eric Wilber. I'm editor of the New England Ski Journal. I am joined by my co-host, Mike Speech. And Mike, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Eric, looking for the snow to come sooner than later. <laughs> yes, it's been something. We, we made it through MLK weekend. And in the ski industry, there are really like three sort of landmark spots for the money making. And that would be Christmas week. It would be MLK weekend. And it would be President's Day weekend slash school vacation. We're two-thirds of the way through. What are the results? <laughs> Rain this past week again. Yeah. It's frustrating, especially when we see what's happening out in the Rockies and the Sierras and so on. I'll give it the season so far, at least weather-wise, D. D is what I would say. D. I we mean, had that, that, that mid-December surprise storm. There have been a pop-up of a few inches here, a few inches there, but beyond that... It, you can't fail it because December wasn't bad, but the bulk of it has been so wet and warm and dry and just not not the kind of season you you'd hoped. And and look, the good news is that you can still skate and that it's available to you. If you want to go slide on snow, whether that be on skis or a tubing or, or, or you know, you can still go do it. It's just that a lot of the other businesses that that depend on winter have been hurting. But I do want to point something out. And this is just remarkable to, to detail just how powerful snowmaking can be. And I think, one, we saw in, at Killington in Vermont over November how they immediately transformed Superstar into an arena worthy of World Cup competition. Just incredible, the snowmaking power they have. Wachusett Mountain, over, over, over the, the Christmas week, day before New Year's Eve, so New Year's Eve Eve, for those of you who celebrate that, had a, a, a shot, a snow depth report. The groomers are equipped with a satellite system that measures the snow depth as they groom. And they, they, they give you the shot on, on their social media channels. They say the purple is over nine feet and the average of the mountain is four and a half feet deep. Let me tell you, about half the mountain is purple, which means that they've got a lot of snow. They've got a really good base there at, at Wachusett. And that speaks to the power of their snowmaking system, which is one of the best in not just the east, but of America. You can ski, and snow is being made. It's just a matter of how much can people make and how much can they keep up with the weather if it continues to be warm and wet, and then you get a quick cold spell, and then it's warm and wet again. Something's got to change for us sooner or later, and I just keep looking, watching the radar, and hoping 
that people who know what they're talking about when they see the weather patterns happen can give me some good news eventually. I think your statement about what you said, I think they, they are visionaries. Mm-hmm. Okay, visionaries because they knew they had to be proactive to maximize what they were doing. The whole hill is GPSed, the whole hill. And they spend a lot of time making sure the snow's in the right location with the most efficient way to do it. Consequently, they have some good snow right now. If you ask my wife, she just looks over at me sometimes when I'm sitting on the couch because I'm a webcam junkie. (laughs) If I can't be there, I want to know what's going on. And when you look around New England and you look at the webcam, you see some mud here this year. You see some grass there. I'll tell you what, watching the webcam at Wachusett has been remarkable. I'm just going, holy cow, how can they, how can they do that when Northern Vermont does not have that? Yeah, it's incredible. And I mean, look, they're dealing with a much smaller base than, say, Smuggler's Notch. It's not like Smuggler's Notch can, can make that much snow, make it happen that much. Financial is a part of it. Climate is the other part of it. But it's, it is remarkable. And you're right. They, they created this. They out of this has been a business the the Crowleys that have I don't want to say transformed skiing in Massachusetts but you know for what Wachusett is as a groomer hill it does a tremendous job and it just being an hour away from Boston obviously it's one of the most popular it's one of the most popular ski ski areas in America based on on the the, the number of people that visit it on a daily basis and there's always something happening at Wachusett and correct me if I'm wrong there is always something happening year round from event after event when they're not skiing they're holding festivals in reality their calendar is completely full and the mountain itself beyond the ski area but Wachusett mountain itself is just a great spot to go hike to bike to sightsee looking up at the Monadnock range to the north it's it's pretty awesome you know what is really cool about Wachusett and it's not just about Wachusett, it's about Neshoba, it's about Mount Southington, it's about Sundown in Connecticut. Th- these guys have created a vibrant, vibrant race league program. I've always called it the, the average person's World Cup program. <laughs> From NASTAR to high school racing to, you know, the infamous beer league racing at night and all the way to masters. They have just a vibrant program of racing out there with clinics and everything. They've really embraced that part of the business. Right. And I mean, race leagues are huge. They're a lot bigger than I ever really thought they were. I've had a gentleman that skis up at Wildcat most of the time. And he's always on me about the race leagues at Wachusett and at, and at Neshoba Valley and about the, the, the great communities that they've built there with these nighttime events that really get the skiing community together and and going on down the hill. So Wachusett has a whole bunch of different racing options up there. NASTAR, which we've talked about before, is option number one. Basically, you go up and pay your fee and you you go race against the clock every time when you get that bronze medal or the silver medal or the platinum medal because your, your time's within the realm of getting that medal with your handicap, that is a, that's a great feeling. And it's, it's really addictive. I can tell you that I've been at ski hills before where, oh, the skiing's getting boring. There's not enough terrain. Mm-hmm. I go to the NASCAR course 
and just make laps to see if I can best my time. You talk about a great way to utilize a year like we're having this year. I was just going to say that that no season could be more perfect for that than what we're going through right now, right? You can't get in the trees. You can't get on the steeps. You can't get in the bumps. Just go see how fast you can go. See if you can beat your personal time. Your personal time. And it's it's not technical. It's safe. And it's it's it transcends age. So the littlest of kids and the elder statesmen can all be doing the exact same thing. And it's a ghast. So that's the NASTAR part of it. The beer league part is <laughs> nothing's better than going head to head in a course. Right. I mean... Racing against yourself is one thing and against the clock. Racing against somebody that's race that's in the lane right next to you is is an adrenaline thing. And who can get to the bottom fastest? It's and and then you go up to the bar afterwards and it's just this big group of people all talking about tonight's race. Yeah. It 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 truly is. It it, it sounds to me. And I mean, I've only been to a few here or there covering this event or covering that event. I've never participated in any sort of ski race besides when you go off trail and you beat the groomer there before they, it, so to me, it's like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's like fantasy camp almost like, like people go to Red Sox fantasy camp at Fort Myers. I want to go to Michaela Schifrin camp at Brook Mountain. You know, it, so it's like, you get, you get to live in that sort of moment for however fast it takes you to get down. Yeah, with NASCAR especially, they have nationals. So you, you have a shot to go to the national stage in NASCAR. What's, it's almost like being McKella in that sense. Right. So, and then the high school race programs. I remember I went and skied Bradford up in Haverhill. I had never skied Bradford. I was on this little tour of mine trying to make sure I skied all the little hills. And I was there afternoon-wise, and then about 3 o'clock, the buses started to come in. All these high school kids were getting off with their race suits on, their skis, and it was like it was like you were at the World Cup, right. the high school World Cup, and amazing. And Wachusett's the same way. Yeah, I mean, I... I I never regret, I don't really regret having not ski raced at my high school, Bishop Stang down in North Dartmouth. We didn't even get a ski team until my senior year. And I remember a, a few of my best friends went, but they did training at Wachusett every day. And it was, it's like a two hour bus ride. And, and I just got done with football and it's like, I, I didn't need something else. And I, I'll always kind of regret that, that I didn't get to experience that sort of thing. And then here you can Go do it whenever you want, which is, I think, a fantastic little... And I think it's something that ski communities should get out more to, to let people know that these events are, are there to come join the fun and, and start a new community. Well, the cool thing about them, you can't always be at Stowe skiing the chin or at Sugarloaf or out at Jackson Hole. When you get out of work and you need to decompress, you can go to the gym or you can go to the hill and race with a bunch of your friends. Up at McIntyre, up in Manchester, New Hampshire, Ross put together a race program up there. It's 200 vertical foothill. It's, it really is a kid's hill to get kids out there skiing. Yep. And by adding this race program, they've got an enormous amount of, ex they have an exorbitant amount of people now racing because afterwards they all go inside, have a beer, and talk about their race. Pat's Peak, another, we had Pat's Peak on here, 
and they have a huge race program that is awesome. And it really is bringing that skiing community together midweek or at night to bring them into one spot and allow them to enjoy skiing at its best. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to have a couple guests on from Wachusett, including Noel Lyons. And is this the Noel Lyons that was the uh, World Extreme champion? It is. Noel and I have been friends for a long time. Um, the reason why I asked her to come on is because she was at a totally different, a Michaela level to some degree or another. She went to Burke Mountain also. Yep. Burke Mountain Academy grad. Then she went to Colorado to CU, where she was an All-American. And then what you just described, she became the World Extreme Champion one year. She was second another year. She's renowned. One last thing that is really cool, anybody that knows has heard of the 24 Hours of Aspen? Yep. Well, Noel was part of the first all-female team from that standpoint. The whole purpose of having her here, she lives in the Boston area. She races at night up at Wachusett. And she also is a master's racer, which we didn't even talk about. Another whole facet here of old guys like me uh-huh. can can still go out and race as if we're on the World Cup, but in a fun way with handicaps. Just reading her resume, successfully competing for three decades in all manners of discipline. Noel is, Noel is the Ray Bork of skiing, the Ray Bork of skiing. That's that's a, a pretty big classification to put on her. We'll have to ask her about that. Well, in the Boston area, a Bruins fan, it's a pretty pretty big mantra. That is pretty cool. She's been on the U.S. ski team, been an NCAA All-American, won a World Extreme Championship, U.S. Free Skiing, Open Ski Across, and a 24 Hours of Aspen Race. That is a pretty good resume. And the fact that she's at Wachusett, I think, speaks at the, I mean, look, if she lives in the Boston area, she's not going to exactly have the, the World Extreme Championship outside the back of her door, but she does have Wachusett, and that's a pretty good place to go for racing. It sure is. Well, we're also going to have Pete Marston on. So when I went to Carolyn Crawley and asked her, who would she like to have on this podcast to sort of talk about the race program? It was Pete all day long. He is the pace setter up there. He is setting gates up there for the program. And I believe, we're going to ask him, I believe his dad started the race program at Wachusett. I mean, very renowned and dedicated to that hill and making the overall race program at Wachusett what it is today. Tremendous. Well, we will get those guests on in just a moment. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers, tree-lined trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades, all with snow so great it's guaranteed. Book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door. Like snow tubing, snowmobile tours, snowshoe treks, cross-country skiing. Then there's Stratton Village for shopping, dining, après, and late nights. Stratton.com to save on lifting tickets and lodging packages. Great Glen Trails Outdoor Center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter. No lift lines, just great grooming and magical vistas. Classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends. 
Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com. All right, welcome back. Joining us on the line today is Chris Stimson, Public Relations Manager of Wachusett Mountain, Pete Marston, the pace setter and coach at Wachusett Mountain Race League, and Noel Lyons, who you might know from Brook Mountain, Colorado University, U.S. Ski Team alum, NCAA All-American, World Extreme Champion, 24 Hours of Aspen participant, and she has been, according to Ski Magazine, once called the Ray Bork of skiing. Noelle, can you please explain that? The Ray Bork is that I've had so many different chapters in my career, including one of the last times that I won the 24 Hours of Aspen. I was 40 years old. My partner was 20 years old. So that is the Ray Bork part of it. Excellent. Well, and obviously, and you're from Colorado, correct? I'm from, actually, I'm from New England. Okay. And I grew up skiing at Neshoba. And so Wachusett has become a very... Like that has become my second home. So I've I've grown up in Vermont. I've been all over the world, but my favorite skiing actually happens to be in our own backyard. How's that go? That's great. But just like just like Ray Bork, we we lent you to Colorado for a little bit. Yeah. You've come back home. Yeah. You've, and I came you've back come and to your senses <laughs> and you you know what you're doing. So that's great. So can you explain a little bit why? Why did you get involved with the the race league? Oh, because a friend of mine who was involved in Tuesday Night Race League recruited me because they need two women on a team. And so it was great. I was riding my bike and I didn't have a car. So I would ride my bike down there. I have my skis. She would drive me out to watch you sit. And I got reconnected with this whole this whole family. Again, it's like this whole community. And it just, it reminded me about how I started. It's just like, you remember, like, I've never lost the love of skiing. I'm, I've skied all my life. And regardless of if I competed, I wasn't one of those competitors that didn't want to keep doing it. I wanted to stay connected to the community. And let me tell you, Wachusett is one of the best communities out there. It sure is. Wachusett is home to me. The Crawleys have always been very generous. And it, with my time with Ski Market, we had a store there. We lived there. So, Chris... What exactly is the adult race night? Oh man, it's, it's a lot of fun. I can tell you. It's just about getting out there in, in the middle of the week, getting on the hill and, and taking a bunch of turns. We have people from all over the place come in and, and compete every night of the week, basically during the week. And then they all hang out in the bar afterwards and have a great time. Who, who's involved? It's, it's sort of the local communities really involved. We have, we have teams that have all sorts of people on their teams. I know my team is some of my college buddies, my cousin Courtney, and then some of our other friends that we haven't seen in a while that we, that we grew up with. So you can get a team together of, of whoever you want and get out there and compete. What's the process like? I mean, how does someone start to form a team? Like if I'm totally green, like, I don't know what to do. What's the first thing I do? Um, How do I start going about that? Like I want to join a race league. I don't have any friends. What can I do? Yeah, sure. We got some of those. <laughs> we have a big have a clinic at the beginning of the season that's designed for people who just want to kind of check it out. They're not sure if they want to join or not. 
And if they do like it and they decide they want to join, we can actually just put you on a team that's maybe needs a person. And then you just make, make friends with them and, and compete with them throughout the season. But if you also, if you know exactly who's going to be on your team, you can sign up online. That's cool. Pete, as a pace setter, mm. how, well, I really want to know, but this question's coming after since we have an ex World Cup skier here. What does a pace setter do, Pete? So a pace setter really does a few runs to help set a handicap. This, these type of, this type of racing is really not based on a point system like Noel probably really familiar with where you, you kind of work from a 990 points all the way down to zero, one or single digit US ski team style. It's more around sim similar to golf where people have different ranging abilities and also different ages and trying to provide an kind of equal ground for all these different racers to have competitiveness against one another. So does that mean this old guy here being me going up against that young buck, Chris, am I going to get a handicap out of it? Not only do you get a handicap, you get fossil points as, as part of it. <laughs> All right. The, the older you get, some more credit you get as well. And my handicap's terrible, so you don't necessarily want me on your team. But what do you guys know about the history of, of this league? When did it start and how has it grown over the years? So my understanding is it's roughly about four decades old. It's, it's been going for quite a while and there's always new blood that comes in. And that's one of the things like Chris was talking about. This is kind of a community that a lot of folks within the area experiment with. There is also a lot of people that have been involved with it for a very long time. I, I grew up around here. My parents were instructors here and I'd been involved with the race league for about 20 years. There are people that have been involved since day one as well. And Chris's family, they all are participants of this. So that's what's kind of key and different about this race league is that they're all out there doing it and then they're coming back and doing their their, their night jobs as well to manage the manage the area and then pete's kid is going to be in the race league someday oh. he's, he's getting out there what's his name his name is bodie actually i heard ah. that name i heard all about it and how was it got me down for angus but you know, we, we ended up agreeing with, with another name so <laughs> i love it so noel you when it comes to racing because you've spent so much time at gates through your career what how does how does that help your day in, day out skiing? Because you went from there to, to extreme skiing, which is really a totally different discipline. Right. The one thing I learned when there's a lot of renegades from the U S ski team that sort of defected and what you learn in the gates is all the, the fundamental skills, how to make a turn when, to, like how to how to stop, start. It's, it like gave you such good skills that when you were in the backcountry and we were up in Alaska doing the world extremes is that a lot of the racers really showed their technical prowess in these different conditions. And what I also love is that it was this free spirit of being in this backcountry. What I love about going to Wachusett is going back into Gates is this whole, I think like their, their, their motto is you don't have to be fast to have fun. And I think that's the bottom line of skiing. It's like how much fun you're having and that the fun you're having by being in the gates, like all of a sudden you forget about all the, like if you're in our NASTAR event or in this like head to head competition, you just forget all the other stuff. And you're just like, throwing your skis down the fall line and having fun and going around the gates. And then at the end, you're just 
you're all celebrating the fact that you're you're in that course, you're next to each other, and you're not afraid. You're just going for it. Coming from someone who's never raced gates in his life, it it can be intimidating to get on that course, I'm sure. But even me, who has not raced professionally or raced in high school or, or whatever, know what NASTAR is. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about what the NASTAR program is like and, and how does that relate to the the nationals? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's a program that exists all over the country. It's an acronym, but I can't remember what it stands for right now. Maybe Pete knows, but you can basically take, it's, it's the idea of trying to make a standard race course and trying to eliminate the variables of different ski areas and different hills. So people from the Wachusett Race League can qualify for the NASTAR and go out and compete in that out west at the end of the season. So it's pretty cool that you can take this local race league and depending on how committed you are and how, how fast you are in this, um, in this league, you can also qualify and go compete at the national level. It's amazing. It's, it's, you guys have sent an awful lot of people to the nationals. I know through the years. And I think that is just due to our sheer numbers. We just have a lot of participants. I think we have the largest night race league in the country, which is pretty cool. What what are you and talking? You guys, you guys put them up in the hotel and restaurants and all that, correct? Yeah. Like you pay for the whole trip. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. That's what I heard. How many how many people are in the the race league a night? Over five hundred. Wow, wow, that's amazing. What does that do for traffic on the hill? It's actually not bad. They're pretty self contained to the intermediate lift, the Minuteman lift. So they do their two runs and then they go right to the bar. So. Just for two runs is a little bit of congestion. Actually, last week, funny story, that lift went down. So people were having trouble getting to the course for their runs. And everybody just started hiking up the side of the me included. So everybody was still just super dedicated to getting their runs in, even if the, the lift wasn't running. Well, the real question there, because you said two runs into the bars, is the bar congested then? Yeah, but in a fun way. And we actually live stream the races directly to the screens in the bar. So you can get up there and then you can watch your run go down, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Hey, Pete, Bodie, how old is Bodie? He just turned eight. So what is his handicap? He's got to be ripping it. Not quite as good as, as, as the more familiar Bodie, but he's, he's, he's hanging his own. Well, the more familiar Bodie's kind of busy doing business stuff now. So your Bodie's going to take him over. That'd be great. I got, I got kind of, we, I wanted to name my first child Bodie. And uh, my wife told me that I could name the dog Bodie eventually. Then we got the dog and it was a female dog and it got named Violet. So I'm still waiting for my own Bodie. So I'm glad that, that you have yours. Clinics. Do you offer any clinics uh, for people to get started with this? Yeah, we do. There's a bunch of different race clinics throughout the season. We're actually in the middle of our, our women's clinic week. So people can come out and try that one. And we also have park clinics as well, but. It's not really relevant to racing, I suppose. But it's still skiing. It's yeah. it's embracing getting better through through instruction, which we need more of out there on the marketplace by all means. So masters racing. And Noel, part of the reason you're on here today is because of the way you've embraced masters. What's going on with the masters program? The master's, also the master's program for me is that I'm part of New England Masters because, again, I'm connected with the community. 
It also gets me out there to hone my skills. I just finished grad school, so I'm very excited to get back out on the hill. But congratulations. Thank you. There's nothing more that I loved as a little kid. I'll never forget, like one of my coaches, like caught, like I used to put sticks in the ground and go around them because I saw these kids going around gates and it inspired me. Like, what is it that they're doing? And it, like, it's a point of reference. I've never lost that point of reference from either putting sticks in the ground and skiing around them or going around gates. There's just something about what I love about seeing a race hill on a course, the people congregating at the top getting in line for, for the race league or NASTARS. I love race league. It's like you're, you're wind up meeting all these people and you have this point of reference, which are honing your skills, which people are also your coaches. All these people around you become these other coaches. They become your other set of eyes, helping you see what you can't see to help you become a good skier. So when masters racing, what I love is that it's this whole generation of 10th mountain division people that are the first people in there to other that are 90 years old, to anyone else that get handicapped in the same aspect that the race league does, that NASTAR does, that keeps this tradition alive, that keeps the idea of honing our skills, celebrating, watching each other and getting better on a slope. And just, just hearing you talk, you can hear the sort of passion that you have for it, that all these racers share for this, this sport they all love throughout the, the decades and the years. And, and no matter how old you are to go out to watch you sit, and enjoy it. I think it's it's only fair to mention that it's been a difficult weather season here in New England. I don't know if anyone's noticed. It's been warm. It's been wet. And yet, here's Wachusett, Chris. Wachusett Mountain in Princeton, Massachusetts, is bold enough last, the, the week before, well, actually the day before New Year's Eve, to post on, on its social media the snow depth report. And your groomers are equipped with a satellite system that measures the snow depth. And it says the purple is over nine feet. The average is four and a half feet. And my God, half the thing is, is purple. So the snow yeah. depth at Wachusett, it's, it, it's truly, truly impressive. Yeah. Thank you. It, it was a big effort by the snowmakers the week before Christmas. While we had the cold temps, we knew we had that window of cold temperatures and we just said full steam ahead. So they were they were blowing nonstop for like five days straight. The size of the whales on some of the trails was was pretty impressive. And now that it's all pushed out, we have a really solid base and we were able to withstand a little bit of rain last week. And uh, we actually have the snow guns on right now as well, now that we have some cold temps back. So Pete, what is it like from your job to have that day-to-day -day sort of dependence that knowing the snow is going to be there for you to do your job? makes it really easy to be honest with you. We, we don't have to really worry about where we course. There's plenty of, plenty of depth and safety is really kind of a, a primary concern for everyone because there's such a range in abilities. You got someone like Noel that's in the air that has extreme racing experience in the highest levels. And then you have people that have never really raced before and are very beginner skiers. So thankfully the conditions here are such that everything is where we need it to be, where we, we have great access to personnel that help us set fencing, help us get everything ready for the race hill and timing as well. The timing is the key part of it. You know, I have really smart minds that can put all that together and we're not patching, band-aiding things together to, to kind of get things going. You just rely, you know, that everything works as it needs to. Well, Wachusett has done an incredible job. I had mentioned before you came on to Eric that I follow webcams 
when I can't get on the hill, webcams don't lie. And looking at the conditions at Wachusett through this unique winter that we're having has been really impressive because Jeff Crawley and the crew has done an incredible job in operations, putting together something incredible. Pete, I know there has been this thing called the Great Race for an awful mm. long time. What's it all about? So really, the Great Race is the culmination of the overall season. The, the race league season goes for about eight weeks. And throughout the season, individuals and, and teams, more importantly, get ranked against one another through handicaps and the fossil points for the older folks. So <laughs> oh, thank you. what's happening is the top 30 teams make the great race and great races using the competition slope on Smith Walton, but really separate the, the top, top teams against one another and, and kind of go for the ultimate prize at the end of the season, which is who, who's been able to conquer the night league championship. We also have another race called the good race, which is for the second best teams at 31 through 61. <laughs> and uh, that, those guys all compete for the second best. The good race. I so, like so it's, so it's a huge party that day. Big time. Yeah. That's what? the, the award ceremony and the, and the big party. And I think the winner last year, we gave him a bottle of polar seltzer and he sprayed it out like champagne. So that was kind of fun. So is there a connection between polar and Wachusett? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking, Noel, have you enjoyed that great race slash good race? Yes. Actually, I crashed and burned on my first great race. Oh, well, it was okay because I love it. There's a great race, the good race. Before, another unique thing when you ask about masters racing is they have a masters race that's a very unique masters race. It's open to anyone. And so I've done the masters race and then done the great race. And unfortunately for my team, I hooked a tip at the bottom and I just, I can't wait to get back. And I kind of redeem myself, but it's so much fun. It really is. As people are nervous, it's all, it, it reminds me of college racing, actually, because it's all about your team. It's about not just going fast, but also finishing. So you have to stay in touch with your teammates, not only on being fast, but getting to the finish line. And so there's so much excitement and so much, again, like, like this whole team camaraderie. And I love kind of the fun, the fun competition between the two, but also the fact that they have the good race. No one's ever left off the table. Everyone's always a participant. And another thing is snowboarders are also part of this event because when you're handicapped, I love it. There's telemark skiers, there's snowboarders and they're handicapped. So you have these teams that have these multi-disciplines. And so everyone is like brought into the fold to have fun in this wonderful event of the, the race league that runs from like Monday through Friday, the good race, the great race, and this very informal master's race. Tremendous. This is the part of the program we usually like to get inside information about which trails to seek out, what's the best restaurant, but we want to get it race course specific. So Pete, I will ask you first, how do you decide on how you set the course on a daily basis? Really it depends on the conditions. Last week is Chris was mentioning the lift shut down, but more importantly, the, the weather here was so warm and so foggy that the snow conditions were really soft, not at all ideal for racing. So in those types of situations, we're not going to set too much of a challenging course because it creates greater, deep, deeper ruts and bigger ruts and more ch holes in the course that make it more challenging for the, for, for average skiers. So we, we tend to kind of look at what the snow conditions are dictating 
And then also it's, there's a there's an aspect of the beginning of the season versus the, the latter part of the season. Generally in the beginning of the season, when everyone's kind of coming off their summer and starting to get their ski legs back, we want to make it somewhat easier for folks to kind of get back into it and not make something too technical. Generally, though, as we go through the season, st- things get a little bit turnier and try to try to put a little bit more challenge into the course so that makes it a little bit more demanding for, for folks to attempt the next time. Yeah. I mean, you look at a soft course, you look at the second run at Killington this year, day two, it got pretty soft up there and rutted. I mean, hence why the results were what they were. Noel, what is your fondest memory in the master's program? I mean, that you're doing now. Wow. My fondest memory actually is getting my my ski legs under me at Wachisa's Tuesday Night Race League, which then I got to meet other people that did master's racing, which then encouraged me to go to other mountains to get back into the swing of things. But really, like I would say my base camp is race league at Wachusett. <laughs> and then that inspires me to get the mileage under me to just jump into these other master's race other master races are in in New England but there is another group of people in that night race league that are part of traveling to the different master races in New England that also can go to the national championships so there's a parallel universe and so again it's like this collective family that it's, it's that inspires each other to move each other from the areas that they're in to move beyond New England international championships, the same way that NASTAR and that Wachusett does with other people to the NASTAR championships. That's awesome. Excellent. Pete, in three words, which you can use more than three words, but give me three. How would you describe the vibe on race day at Wachusett? Mm-hmm. Uh, World Cup intensity. Wow. Whoa. Perfect. Anybody up there with bells, cowbells? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. And what about... What about you, Chris? How would you describe it? I would say probably fun, friendly, inviting. Perfect. Perfecto. Noel, in three words of your own, what is the feeling you have when you are standing in the start gate? Nervous, excited, and glad to be there. Nervous? Even with such a resume that you still get nervous in the gate at Wachusa? Oh, I am. Are you kidding? Okay. The best part is that the people that set the course that just work with these young kids get in the course and these young kids that work at Wachusett that are like just filled with with all the vigor, they kick butt. So I am nervous because I just know that I just have to let go of whatever that these kids, it's their time. And I get nervous because I'm like, am I going to go slow? I'm going to miss this gate. Am I going to miss this line? Yeah seems to me that every day and every move I make, not just the gate. So I, I guess I can uh, understand. Hey, yeah, hey yeah, Noel, yeah. Noel, I've skied with you. You mm-hmm. don't have to be nervous. But nervous is good. I love it. It's like World Cup intensity. It's like the nervousness I feel is no different than Michaela Schifrin in, in Austria. I feel that intensity. That's, you can rip. That's all I can say. <laughs> you can rip. Hey. Chris, what else, anything else you want to tell the listeners about the program? Just that it's a super fun way to get out during the week. I know during the winter, it's hard to, once you get home from work, you just kind of want to hang out on the couch, but it's a really cool way to just get outside and spend some time on the mountain, meet some new people, 
have some drinks in the bar. It's a great time. Expand your horizon, get in the course and see how much fun it is. Eric and I were just talking in a, in a snow year, like we're having sometimes terrain can get boring. You know what? You go to the, you go to the NASTAR course, you start making laps and you start challenging yourself in a different way that maybe you would challenge yourself at Tuckerman's. It's a different type of challenge and it's a fun challenge. And I would like to thank producer Dave for putting it up. NASTAR, which I thought stood for North American skiing, tumble and roll. No, <laughs> is, is national standard race. That's okay. what NASTAR stands for. Chris, Pete, Noel, thank you so much for this discussion. This was a pleasure and but not this year, but next year I need to get myself and, and, and the three kids and, and start a race league of our own. We'll show all those masters that some young butts can, can take care of the business there. Absolutely. Thanks for having us guys. Our, our pleasure. Thank you so much. Our pleasure, Chris. And I'm going to drag Eric out to Wachusett and we're going to put him in the NASTAR course for some laps during the YES event. Yep. Watch out. Good. We'll see him out there. All right. You got it. Thanks awful lot for joining us. From today. the Wachusett Race League, that is Chris Stimson, Pete Marston, and Noel Lyons. We will be right back. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Base Camp Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast all right mike so i'll play a little game that we play with them in three words can you describe to me what it's like to get in the starting gate if you're not a seasoned ski racer oh boy when you get in the starting gate the first word is it's going to be two words don't fall <laughs> as you try to grab your push off from that starting gate with your poles. Number two is exhilaration. Mm -hmm. The excitement of it as you start to go. Number three is finish. <laughs> Excellent. From someone who's never ski raced, I, I, it, 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 it seems like just such a fun community. You hear about, even when you're up in the Mount Washington Valley, the Mountain Meisters at Cranmore and, and all these different race leagues that are all throughout New England that are just little pockets of ski communities, right? Like we don't, we usually focus on the resorts themselves or the ski towns, or we don't necessarily focus on the race leagues. And I think part of that is natural because it's your next door neighbor, right? It's like, these are your pals. It, it's not, it, it's your own ski community that you've sort of created this bond with and, and an enjoyment of the mountain. Even in a season like this, you can still go out and you can still rip gates. And that's something to behold, especially in a, in a season like we're having now where everyone's struggling. 
Yes, it is a sense of community. I was at the gym this morning and I pretty much get there every day these days. And I go early in the morning or mid-morning normally in between. And it's all, all an older generation that is there at that point. And when you go in there, Bill is saying hi to Bob. Bob is saying hi to Tony. Right. And that's the community of the race leagues. It's when you get into the core of the winter, especially January, the days are getting longer, but it's tough. It's dark in the morning when you get up. It's dark at night when you come home sometimes or you have dinner. Race leagues give you something excitable for the evening. And it's just, uh, they're not expensive at all. And you can, you can race at any level you want. And it makes those small hills really exciting real quick. It does. And, and there, there are so many of these small hills throughout New England that this is not their Super Bowl so much, but it is a consistent sort of event, sort of community. This is how Whaleback is surviving, is that creating race leagues and making this a community hill. And I think it's, it's very important for these places to keep them vibrant and alive. It's places like Cochran's in Vermont or Neshoba, in Massachusetts, where you're never going to get world-class skiing like you'd expect. It doesn't matter. Like, this is what is at the heart of these places, is these race leagues and community. It, it's something that I think unless, and I'm not part of it, but I think I can tell looking at it from the outside just how rich an experience this can be for someone. It sure can. There is a byproduct of the whole thing also. I mean, you have that group of people together that creates this sense of community, but the byproduct of it is you can become a much better ski, whether it be on groomed terrain or in off-piste terrain, because you learn how to stay neutral. You learn how to stay balanced on those skis and roll, roll the edges rather than struggle and skid the turns. So the benefit of race night is, or race leagues, is huge. It's absolutely huge. Tell us some of your favorite memories, stories, notes from any race leagues you've been a part of. Oh my goodness, I'm just going to give you one that's pretty, pretty wild. So it was at Neshoba Valley. I had just moved here from Western New York, and we had a, we had a team. And we, we just happened to pick the night that there was a team with four NCAA ex-ski racers on there. Craig Vogler, who, whose sister was on the U.S. ski team and is at Deer Valley now as an ambassador, Craig was on it. Johnny Neal, who raced out of Middlebury. Craig raced out of UVM, I believe it was. And then the Wheats brothers. Oh, my goodness. It was like, Wow. I'm, I'm just getting into gates and these guys are real, but guess what? I got the handicap that they didn't. Right. Right. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. If you haven't become a part of a race league, if it's, if you're interested, Wachusett is a great place to start. Visit Wachusett.com, Neshoba Valley as well. Like mentioned, Mike, like Mike, like Mike mentioned, Pat's Peak, Whaleback. What, what else is out there that is that people should check out in their area? So I, I think the race programs are vibrant everywhere. We, we had Berkshire on, and John Schaefer mentioned about their program out there. The Connecticut Hills, Sundown, Powder Huge. Ridge, right? right. I, mean, I, I, 
I frequent Alpine Zone, which is a, a message board of skiers. And I think 50% of that board might live in Connecticut because you hear about ski sundown race leagues all the time. So yeah, very vibrant skiing community in Connecticut. And it's, it's again, someplace we don't necessarily pay attention to because it's not to the north. It's not steep. It doesn't have the vertical. But in terms of community, the, the skiing community at Ski Sundown is probably just as rich as it is at Pat's Peak, based on the, the passion that these people have for just getting together and having fun on the mountain. And they're out there putting in miles, mileage as a whole. I threw, flew through Minneapolis on Sunday, coming back from Denver, and all I could think about was Lindsey Vaughn and Buck Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. it was, guess what? It's nothing different than all of these areas that we're talking about and what it created. Right. So most of the great racers, I shouldn't say most of them, a lot of the great racers all came out of these small hills running gates, as we used to call it, sticking wickets before breakaways when bamboos were still there because I remember them fondly or non-fondly. So, you know, these small hills are the lifeblood of the U.S. ski team of skiing as a whole. We need to embrace them. We need to embrace what they give us. And part of that is these nighttime race leagues. Right. I've seen there's a lot of arguments out there about how we keep skiing healthy and how we protect skiing for the future. And there, I mean, look, you could go in 16 different directions in this. Part of it is having affordable ski lessons. I agree with that. Part of it is having affordable equipment. I agree with that. Part of it is definitely these race leagues because it's, it's a matter of defining your community and defining it as a mountain, right? And this is not meant as a dig on any any resort owners, but usually smaller mountains handle this better because they're just, they're more into the fabric of the community. Yes, the, the smaller hills are the spot to go for these. The Killingtons, the Stowe's, the Wildcats all have locals race leagues but we're talking for us down here in the flatlands that want to embrace winter and be part of something real. And that's where these race leagues come in. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, so next year we'll put on the, uh, we'll put on the bibs and we'll get out there and we'll uh, just go up against one mono a mono. So next year, New England ski, ski journals, base camp, race team. Yep. Are you right? Thursday nights, Thursday nights. Okay. You got it. Okay. Stay tuned for details on that. Mike, thank you very much. Eric, that was awesome. Love talking about a home hill here and about something special that they offer. Yeah, love watching you sit. Enough enough good things can't be said about that place. Just the, the vibe, what they've been able to do there. And I, I think this season, you, you, you told me, you saw firsthand that they're probably the best skiing in the East right now. They sure are. And after I get back from Utah, you and I are going out to watch at one evening and we're going to get in the NASDAQ course that together. That sounds perfect to me. I will be there with, I won't be there with bells on, but that's what they say for some reason. So Mike, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Eric, that was awesome. Looking forward to the next one. Excellent. I am Eric Wilbur, editor of New England Ski Journal. This was the Base Camp Podcast. Hope you enjoyed yourself and we will see you next time. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.